Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The attorney for Stormy Daniels takes a new shot at President Trump. Could he be forced to talk? Plus, Trump says Kim Jong-un is looking forward to their face-to-face meeting. And Bob Mueller uncovers new ties between a Trump campaign official and Russia. This is the State of America Tonight. The sitting president could be deposed in connection with a civil matter. That puts President Trump one step closer to having to testify under oath. I always thought it may be Bob Mueller that took down the president. It very well could be Michael Avenatti. The North Koreans are actually talking to the Chinese. North Korea's Kim Jong-un made a surprise visit to China. Kim Jong-un floated the idea of denuclearization. If he's going to give up his nuclear weapons program, someone's got to be watching his back, and that would be China. Senior members of the Trump campaign were communicating with a Russian person connected to Russian intelligence. This is what collusion starts to look like. Hello, I'm Manu Raju, live in New York, and this is State of America Tonight. As the attorney for Stormy Daniels turns up the heat here at home, the White House is touting success abroad on North Korea. More on that in just a moment. But first, a new front in the battle between Daniels and President Trump. One that suggests that the adult film actress is not backing down anytime soon. Her attorney has now filed a motion to depose the president and his personal attorney, Michael Cohen, over that $130,000 payment before the 2016 elections. Both Cohen and the White House insist the president was unaware of his attorney's actions. But Daniel's attorney thinks otherwise. We want to know the truth about what the president knew, when he knew it, and what he did about it. As it relates to this agreement, we're going to test the veracity or the truthfulness of Mr. Cohen's, his attorney's statements. And we're confident, Gail, that when we get to the bottom of this, we're going to prove to the American people that they have been told a bucket of lies. And Michael Avenatti is citing another president with his own history of sexual scandals to support his bid to force Trump to talk. That president, Bill Clinton. You mentioned Clinton versus Paula Jones in your motion. Why is that relevant? Well, it's the Supreme Court precedent. The Supreme Court already decided that a sitting president could be deposed in connection with a civil matter. And if that was the law then, it certainly is the law now. It hasn't been overturned. So as you might expect, those close to Cohen are blasting the move. One of them is David Schwartz, who calls the filing, quote, a reckless use of the legal system in order to continue to inflate Michael of Avenetti's deflated ego and keep himself relevant. This is politically motivated and people see through this charade. And now to that effort to contain North Korea's nukes. China has confirmed that Xi Jinping and Kim Jong-un met during a surprise visit by the North Korean leader. And while specifics from the two-day meeting are unknown, the State Department says the fact that it took place at all is because of Mr. Trump's policies. 
This is further indication that the president's maximum pressure campaign is working through a lot of countries around the world coming together and recognizing the destabilizing threat that North Korea poses, not just on the region, but on the entire world. So we think that without this maximum pressure campaign, this kind of thing wouldn't be happening. President Trump echoed that sentiment on Twitter, saying, received message last night from Xi Jinping of China that his meeting with Kim Jong-un went very well and that Kim looks forward to his meeting with me. In the meantime, and unfortunately, maximum sanctions and pressure must be contained at all costs. But one expert on North Korea and its nuclear ambitions says the two countries may have had a strategy for this unexpected sit-down. Xi Jinping accomplished the, basically the reinsertion of China into the denuclearization process. For Kim, what he was trying to do was to get some Chinese support as he goes into those discussions with Moon Jae-in, the South Korean president, and of course, President Trump. And a former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations says Kim Jong-un may have his eye on causing conflict between Trump and Xi. I think that this is a very important meeting. I think it represents, in part, some of Kim Jong-un's effort perhaps to drive wedges between the U.S. and China. For its part, China says it will, quote, continue to play a constructive role on those upcoming talks. We'll stay tuned on that one. But first, let's go to CNN's White House reporter Jeremy Diamond, who joins me now. Jeremy, was the White House caught off guard by this China-North Korea summit? Well, it certainly seems like it. You know, uh, as uh, recently as yesterday, while Kim Jong-un was indeed in China, uh, senior U.S. officials publicly said that they didn't know for sure whether Kim Jong-un was indeed the North Korean official who was in China. You know, we had seen that uh, green train roll over from North Korea into Beijing, uh, but there were questions still, including among senior U.S. officials, about whether it could have been potentially another senior North Korean official. But it was indeed Kim Jong-un, and the White House confirmed that with Chinese officials uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, but there was a degree of uncertainty, which really speaks to the planning uh, that has been underway for this potential summit between President Trump uh, and Kim Jong-un. It would be a high-stakes summit, and yet uh, as we approach this potential uh, time frame of May, a May meeting, which is what uh, U.S. and South Korean officials have talked about, uh, it doesn't appear like we're any closer to any firm uh, plans for this meeting. We don't know yet when it is going to happen. We don't know where it is going to happen, uh, and uh, whether there would be other parties involved beyond uh, President Trump and uh, the North Korean uh, leaders. Today, today, Sarah Sanders was asked uh, about the U.S.'s thought process. She said that the U.S. is cautiously optimistic about the prospects of a meeting with Kim Jong-un. The president this morning sounded off on the issue himself on Twitter, uh, and he sounded more than just cautiously optimistic, saying that it went from uh, not even a, a chance, uh, a big chance of any kind of progress on denuclearization to saying that there could potentially be uh, a big chance of uh, improvements here. Manu? Yeah, Jeremy, a lot of questions. Will this summit actually take place? When and if this North Korea-Trump uh, summit will actually happen? Lots to discuss in the weeks and days ahead. Jeremy, thank you so much for that report. Now to that developing story around the attorney for Stormy Daniels and his attempt to get President Trump under oath. MJ Lee joins us. Joins me now. MJ has been covering the story for us. Uh, so, MJ, what is behind this Michael Avenatti strategy to get President Trump 
uh, to be deposed, testify under oath. Does he actually think he's got a chance of success here? Well, I mean, the strategy here is to try to get President Trump to testify under oath about exactly what he knew about this $130,000 payment and this NDA that Stormy Daniels signed in 2016. Uh, This motion that was filed overnight would depose both President Trump and his personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, to answer all of these questions. And a hearing date is now set for April 30th. So we'll see what happens in the weeks leading up to that. Uh, On the question of whether it's actually realistic to depose the sitting president of the United States, Michael Avenatti is arguing that there is precedent for this. He is pointing to a Supreme Court ruling about former President Bill Clinton. And he's essentially saying if the Supreme Court has previously said that a sitting president can be deposed, then that was the law and is uh, still currently the law. So again, we'll see what happens with that uh, in court. And I just want to point out, too, you know, there's been a lot of confusion about what President Trump knew or didn't know, uh, whether he was involved or wasn't involved. Uh, And the White House has continued to say that this affair never actually happened. Well, Avenatti, I was talking to him on the phone earlier today. He says that he had a meeting last week with Donald Trump's lawyer, Charles Harder. And at some point in the meeting, he actually asked him, is your client, Donald Trump, a party to this agreement, this agreement being the NDA? And Harder's response was very interesting. He said, we don't know yet. We are still researching it. Now, that is a really puzzling answer. And I don't know if Harder answered that way because he was unwilling to answer the question or if he really didn't know the question. But it's very, very interesting that he's sort of avoiding the question and avoiding answering the question. And the final thing I want to note, too, is that when I asked Avenatti, is Stormy Daniels at this point willing to accept a settlement? This is what he said. He said, we would never consider any settlement that did not include everyone coming 100 percent clean with the American people. Hmm. So, again, just very much pushing for the truth in all of this. It's amazing. Every single day, it seems like Michael Avenatti has a a new strategy to keep this in the news. We'll see what tomorrow brings. Mm -hmm. And so there'll be more to report then. MJ, thank you so much. Coming up, the special prosecutor drops a new allegation on the Trump's campaign ties to Russia. And a memo alleges there might be proof on tape. The panel joins me next. Over the course of the 2016 campaign, a top Trump staffer was in touch with a person tied to Russia's intelligence service. At least that's the latest bombshell allegation from the special prosecutor's office. A court filing dropped late Tuesday, and while it doesn't name the Russian operator, it alleges the president's deputy campaign chairman knew he was speaking with. The panel here joins me today. Joe Borelli, a Republican New York City councilman, Doug High, a CNN political commentator and former communications director for the Republican National Committee. Alex Burns, CNN political analyst and national political reporter at the New York Times. And Keith Boykin, a CNN political commentator and former aide in the Clinton White House. Uh, so uh, let's uh, start off with this allegation. Alex, I want to get your thoughts here. I mean, where do you think this suggests that the Mueller investigation is going? He drops in this this uh, notion last night that Rick Gates knew that he was in contact with this a Russian official who had ties to Russian intelligence services. Well, look, I think that it's one more warning sign to anyone who's tried to draw conclusions at this sort of indeterminate stage of the investigation about just how much direct contact there was with uh, Russian actors and whether collusion of a more uh, insidious kind is really on the table. We just don't know. 
uh, at this point. And, and there's been this kind of pattern that every time Mueller acts or reaches a plea deal or indicts somebody, uh, we sort of rip through the court filing and try to find a smoking gun uh, that there was some kind of direct contact. And, and when we don't find it in that filing, people kind of want to extrapolate from that, that maybe it doesn't exist. And uh, to me, just every turn of the screw from Mueller shows us how little we actually know. And wondering, as a Trump supporter who's someone who has said, you know, you don't believe there was collusion with the right. campaign, are you concerned that he may be moving closer to something that could embarrass the White House here? I mean, to say that someone should be concerned about a special prosecutor, I mean, that, that, that's obvious. Uh, you know, we, we all should be a bit concerned about it. But to quote CNN's story, Vander Swan's criminal charge has no apparent connection with the Trump campaign other than the conversation with Gates. This is a conversation that was recorded. If there was something, you know, uh, uh, undermining, if, if there was something, uh, you know, unnerving in the conversation, this would have been brought in the charges against Rick Gates. Uh, so I, I think this is going to be another episode of the hundreds we've had before of this is the biggest story in the news for the next two days and then we forget about it. I, I want to just point out the, the number of Russian contacts that we know of right now uh, between Trump associates and Russia contacts from, from the 2016 campaign. Uh, we have this Rick Gates uh, contact, according to this, uh, this filing. Uh, George Papadopoulos, who pleaded guilty, his efforts to reach out to Russians to give him the hat Clinton emails. There are others as well as these Russians who are now indicted in the Mueller investigations, making contacts with, quote, unwitting Trump officials, the Donald Trump Jr. meeting in Trump Tower, Carter Page's meeting with a senior Kremlin official. It goes on like that. Jeff Sessions, Michael Cohen uh, negotiating that Trump Tower Moscow project. You've worked in so many campaigns over your career. I mean, yeah. have is this normal so, for a campaign? So, guys, this is what happens when Manu Raju calls you <laughs> and you're working in the Capitol and he's got the info and you don't. <laughs> it's a litany of, and now what happened? And you struggle to explain it, which is where this White House is, and in part because you see two tracks happening with, with this investigation. One, we see the screws tightening and tightening, uh, and it always goes back to Russia. Two, it also is broader and broader going in different people in different directions so that we don't know exactly where he's going, but he's building a stronger and stronger case that all goes back to Russia. That's why this is a problem for the administration. I'm wondering, as a, as a Democratic strategist heading into the midterms, I mean, you look at the polls, you know, by and large, most this is not necessarily a voting issue. Are you concerned in any way that Democrats may be overplaying their hand on this? Should they not be talking about this heading into the midterms? I don't think Democrats should avoid the issue uh, any more than they should avoid the issue of Stormy Daniels, but I don't think it's the issue that's going to win the election for them. I mean, uh, the Democrats are motivated to come out to, to the polls in November, and I think the midterm is going to reflect that. We've seen the, the elections over the course of the special elections over the course of the past year and a half have shown a momentum for the Democrats. And I think that what we're going to see in the fall is that uh, Russia and Stormy Daniels or whatever other side issues are less important than Trump's general character, which is what is motivating Democrats. And it's actually could be, could be something that could deflate turnout among Republicans, especially suburban, moderate, conservative, uh, moderate to conservative Republican women. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the, in the next segment, too. Uh, just to get a little bit, go back to the first topic of the show, North Korea uh, and the, the announcement in North Korea, this meeting that occurred uh, with the Chinese leader Xi Jinping, Kim Jong-un. The White House is, of course, taking credit for this, saying this is the president's policies that led to this. Uh, but I, I, do you guys think at all that this is in a way for China to reassert its uh, authority, its influence over these negotiations, these talks that are about to happen with Trump and, and Kim Jong-un? Yeah, look, China is, is not only as dominant a player as the, in the world, you can argue that they are the dominant player at this point, uh, with, with America having kind of rescinded some of its role or, or, or lessened its role globally. And so for China to make this move after a long time of not really getting along with North Korea 
it isn't just about North Korea and China. It's about sending a message to the rest of the, of the world. That should be troubling, not just to the White House, but, but to NATO partners as well. Do you think there's this meeting between Trump and Kim Jong-un is actually going to take place in May, like yeah. they said? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, the... Kim Jong-un's statement coming out of this meeting wouldn't have been so insistent that the meeting was going to happen unless China tacitly gave them their their, their blessing. And I think this meeting was about leverage and appearance, the appearance that uh, North Korea could show the world that their relationship with China is, is on the mend and it's still strong. And that's important to them going into these talks with the U.S. Uh, and it's it was a telegraph to, to the White House saying, yes, we are serious. We do want to commit to the denuclearization of the peninsula, which is something we should all be applauding. But uh, Alex, I mean, the White House does not have a State Department uh, secretary, a secretary of state. Well, they do. They don't have a State Department. They also don't have a South Korea ambassador. I mean, is the is the administration properly staffed for a meeting like this? Well, the short answer is is certainly not. I mean, there's no question that they don't have the staffing uh, that a, a president would typically want for really any kind of important uh, international meeting. A meeting with the uh, prime minister of Japan, uh, let alone uh, a head of state that no American president uh, has ever met with. And the reality is I don't know that we should expect that to change meaningfully between now and any meeting that happens. This is a president who obviously wants to conduct uh, diplomacy on an individual level. Uh, he was not particularly using the State Department, the Secretary of State that he had. Uh, so the fact that Rex Tillerson is now formally no longer there, I don't know that that's actually a, a giant difference from when he was there, but sort of a vestigial limb. Remarkable. These meetings sometimes take months and months and months to happen, and Trump for this to happen in a two-month time frame with no staff in place. Well, on the staffing uh, we'll issue, I, I, had, I was at a lunch um, recently with a very prominent British politician who said, I always get along with my peer in this administration. The problem is I've had three of them. Yeah. That's a problem. <laughs> well, well, more to s- discuss it in the next segment. Uh, coming up, many in Washington think Robert Mueller's Russia investigation presents a major threat to Trump's presidency. But would you believe that Stormy Daniels' lawsuit could be an even bigger threat? We'll discuss that with the panel next. upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. That was 20 years ago. But who can forget that iconic moment in Bill Clinton's presidency? He was caught lying under oath while being deposed in a lawsuit. A lawsuit from a woman who accused the president of sexual harassment. And now we have a very similar situation, with Stormy Daniels' attorney saying he wants to put Donald Trump under oath and ask him about an affair he has continually denied. Is history repeating itself? Let's get back to our panel to discuss. Uh, Keith, first to you. I'm wondering, you're hearing Democrats, um, actually, they're not actually saying a whole lot about this right now, particularly uh, on Capitol Hill. Do you think this is uh, a missed opportunity? Should they be making this a bigger issue uh, right now and all this is happening? Are you okay with the way they're handling it? Uh, No, again, as with the issue before, I think that the Democrats don't really have to play this issue because it's already a media issue. The media are obsessed with this issue as they rightly should be. And so um, I think the Democrats would be wise to let Donald Trump hang himself. In, in terms of the, the impact of his testimony, he doesn't want to testify. 
In October of 2016, shortly before the election, he threatened to sue all the people he called liars who were against him. The reason why he hasn't sued them is because he doesn't want to have that Bill, ex Bill Clinton experience where he has to go in front of a, a court and have a, or in front of a lawyer and have a deposition. He doesn't want document production. He doesn't want the discovery process because it opens him up to the potential of, of future exposure. Are you worried about this, uh, this uh, possibility of him being deposed? I'm worried about it in, in the same sense that, that Keith is saying. You know, what is the salacious thing that comes out? Trump had maybe had sex with a, with a porn star, right? That, that we what already know. Payment, no, what I'm saying, that, that we already yeah. know. It, it is sort of this document building, this process, this discovery process that, that could expose him up for liability. On a personal side, though, she doesn't have a, a lot to be uh, looking forward to in a deposition. She has been the one who has not been consistent on her stories. She had an affair, then she didn't, then she did, then she did. She lied about oh, her signature. My. She lied about her signature on Jimmy Kimmel the other night. Um, this is someone who in herself is not very credible uh, and... Uh, uh, Donald Trump spent not. five and a half years lying about President Obama's birth certificate. He has no credibility. He's the and, least honest president we've our, had since Richard and Nixon. Our friend so Anderson go, Cooper, he has more. He has less credibility than the well, president. But, but our friend Anderson Cooper, he did a great job interviewing her, and and the expose of that interview was that she was willing to change her story whenever the financial interests seemed to suit her. Well, you, you can lie to the press, but you can't lie under oath. So that's the real issue for anybody talking. Uh, you had actually a good story in the, the New York Times uh, earlier this week talking about the impact that all of this is having on the Republican Party, the distraction, the noise. Uh, how much do you think this, uh, that Republicans down-ticket are nervous about the stormy impact? I think it's... it's the stormy story in particular right now, but it's this kind of uh, sort of wheel of fortune of, of Trump scandals that they're uh, worried about, that every week it's something different. Although the last couple of weeks it's been the same thing. Uh, and you know, I was talking to uh, Ryan Costello, a congressman from outside uh, Philadelphia, who announced his retirement over the weekend. And he was saying, uh, look, if I were still running, I'd be holding a town hall this week and I'd want to be talking about uh, our policy agenda. I want to be delivering my message. And every question would be, uh, do you believe the president? Do you believe the porn star? Why don't you believe the porn star? What, what's, what's wrong with you for not believing the porn star? And so, you know, I don't know that voters are going to go out and say I'm upset about the Stormy Daniels story and therefore I'm voting for a Democrat. But, I mean, you know as well as anyone, these Republicans are trying badly to get a message out there that isn't just Trump, 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 and he is making it awfully and hard. If, you advi if you're advising a Republican who's thinking about running for re-election, what do you tell them? Not, well, don't right, run? Right, well, no, I tell them to run. I tell them to run very quickly in track shoes when, in the, when they're in the um, basement of the Capitol to outrun you, to outrun <laughs> the even more athletic John Bresnahan when he's chasing down, because this is, this is all they get asked about, and it's the outrage du jour that we've seen you know, for two years now. And maybe it doesn't have a political impact on, on Trump, but there's obviously the legal impact of a deposition. But there's one dynamic that I think is more interesting than any other. We heard so many times, you've probably said 500 times, Donald Trump's a counterpuncher. And that was the answer to everything. Donald Trump has not counterpunched with Stormy Daniels. He has held his fire. He has showed great discipline and restraint. For five for some, days, and, and had an Which is saying something. And the reason why is related to the Summer Reservo suit, because she's suing him for defamation. Mm -hmm. If Donald Trump accuses uh, uh, Stormy Daniels of lying, then that exposes him to a defamation suit on that case exactly. as well. And the reason why Donald Trump doesn't want a defamation case, the reason why he doesn't want to testify is because if he does have a de deposition, that opens up and makes it easier for him to testify when Robert Mueller comes to him. It's harder mm -hmm. for him to say, I can't testify because I'm sitting in President of the United States, when he testifies in a Stormy Daniels case with a porn star. Are you, are you, should the president still stay quiet about this, or do you think the president should finally say something about it? Um, I, I I've been under the opinion uh, at this table that he should stay quiet on certain things, and I, I will say that this is one of those things. But all around the swirl of all the Stormy, all the Rob Porter, all the Omarosas, 
The uh, RCP average has trickled up for President Trump's job approval rating, and the RCP average has trickle, trickled up for the generic ballot for the Republicans. So are people really paying attention to this, or are they paying attention to progress in North Korea, in the, in the et cetera, et cetera? And the would, ultimate question is going to be whether we'll or not Trump November. is beneficial to his party or if he's going to be a liability to his party. Sure. You know. When I was at the RNC in um, 2010, our magic number for Obama was 46%. If he was below that... We thought we'd win back the House, and he was, and we did. Trump has trickled up, but he is well below that. The question for Trump is, whether he's at 42 or 39 or whatever, is is there a silent Trump voter who says, I like the policy enough that I'll go along with it, but I can't say that I'm going to go along with it. What drives those people to come out, the motivating things for for Republicans right now, is the fight for the Second Amendment, the fight for sanctuary cities. These are all things that Mm -hmm. Democrats think help them, but the path to them winning the House is through coming to the center, not going left. Trump was the guy who said, take away the guns first and worry about due process later. So, I mean, that Second Amendment argument doesn't really wash well when he's threatening it himself. And the ultimate question is whether the map will ultimately be the detriment for the Republican Party. In 2010, if... If Obama's numbers were where Trump's were, we would have gained 100 seats. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Good discussion today. This is day 433 of President Trump's administration, and that's the state of America tonight. Check out our podcast. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite app. We'll be back here tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.